going through this, kind of dawned on me, you know, these phrases that we maybe think God said. And it reminded me, man, you know, we shouldn't be naive to the schemes of the enemy. If the enemy, if Satan's going to try to get you to believe a lie, he's most often going to just tell you just kind of a bold-faced lie that you would know is wrong. We're far more likely to believe a half-truth than just an outright lie. If I want to get here, you know, believe a lie, I'm not going to stand up here and just say, like, the University of Michigan's a great school. Everybody know, liar. Man, lying from the pit, right? Like, man, if you'd say, of course, I'm joking, but you get the point, right? Like, nobody, if the enemy's trying to get you to deceive you, he's not going to tell you something you know is wrong. What he's going to do, part of the schemes of the enemy, is he's going to take God's truth, and he's just going to twist it. I mean, that is the oldest trick in the book for him. If you go back to the original sin, you go back to, you know, Satan coming at Adam and Eve, and even Jesus, what did he do? He takes God's word, and he twists it. Did God really say, and he gives it a half crank? I think that's so true in our lives. Many of us, you know, might not be that in danger of believing a lie, but all of us are very much in danger of believing a half-truth of something that God said something similar to and believing that. And I think that's definitely the case this week. So we look at the phrase, don't judge. Because God did say something similar to that. And I know you're excited, like, great, just what the church needs, more judgment, awesome. I understand, man, how much damage the church has done with judgment, but we kind of take that and we run with it and make, you know, God say something he didn't. One, do you understand the irony of saying don't judge? Looking at somebody, you're judgmental, don't judge. Do you see the irony of that? You know, irony, like 10,000 spoons, all you need is a knife. It's like, really, you know, irony. You get the point, right? When I look at you and say don't judge, you're judgmental. That's a judgment. I'm making a judgment. We do it all the time. I was listening to Dr. Tony Evans on this. To say that, oh, we don't judge. You're living in Never Neverland. All of us judge. We make judgments all the time. And it is necessary, but it sounds nice, right? Hey, I don't judge. Who am I to judge? You do you. I don't judge. The only problem is God never said that. That was actually Tupac, not Jesus. It said, only God can judge me. Postmodernity says that. Hey, believe what you want. Hey, I don't care. I don't judge. The only problem is the Bible says, look, all people are equal. All ideas are not. And so to just say, hey, it doesn't matter. You do you, whatever you believe, however you want to live, who am I to judge? That's not what God said. And so as I can even prove it to you now, right? Who here, I'm so glad our church is kind of, has been and will continue to push against racism. If you think racism is wrong, go ahead and raise your hand. You judges, so judgmental, how dare you look at that and say that's wrong. Said nobody. All of us look at that and say that's wrong. What is that? That is a judgment. It is necessary. The only question is, are we doing it, you know, correct? Are we doing it poor? We all need to make judgments at times. But the problem is, what we make God say is, don't judge ever. It doesn't matter. Let me live my life. 
You know, some of you believe that making judgments, it's like asking somebody if they're pregnant, right? You just never, ever, ever do it under no circumstances, right? I was around somebody the other day, clearly pregnant. Did I ask? No, that's always a mistake. You know, hey, you expecting? No, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I asked. Always bad. And that's how some of us feel about judging. It's just always bad. Doesn't matter. You live your life however you want. The only problem is God never said that. Now, God gave tons of warnings, and I am very aware the church has done massive damage by judging people, but I want you to feel the difference. Look, we don't have to be judgmental, and we can still discern good judgment. Do you understand the difference? Like, man, we still are going to discern right from wrong, truth from error, but that doesn't mean we have to be judgmental. I was debating on entitling this message, you know, how you can still judge but not be a Karen, right? Like, you don't got to be a Karen about it. And I'm not talking about, like, a literal Karen, like a categorical Karen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to Google it. I don't have time, but you get the point. You don't have to be a Karen about it. You don't have to be so judgy about it. But we still can determine right from wrong. And we do it all the time. The only question you need to answer is, are you doing it well? So it's pretty simple coming out of judge. You know, don't judge poorly, judge correctly. As we're going to kind of walk through this morning, what does it look like to judge people poorly? Because most, let's be honest, as a church and probably as individuals, we do it way too much. So a lot of this is pumping the brakes on judging people so much. And there are tons of warnings. Jesus did say, judge not, but there's caveats of poor judgment. So we're going to dive through that. I'm going to walk through a bunch of different things of ways we shouldn't judge. Don't judge unbelievers. First and foremost, the church needs to wrap our heads around this. Look at this verse. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. That's fairly clear, right? Okay, what is good judgment and bad judgment? So as believers, and here's the church, let's be honest, our default is we just slam that dirty world out there that's full of sin and gross sinners, and then we're kind of gracious towards ourselves, maybe sweep our sins under the rug. You gotta flip that in your life. The Bible says, don't be surprised when the world acts like the world. And indeed, our theology, our Bible teaches us, it's impossible for us to please God without God's help. And then I condemn you for doing what I know is impossible for you. And then we just slam and condemn the world and we judge them, holding them to a standard that they don't hold towards themselves. Who are we to judge outsiders? We need to flip that in our lives. Let's stop railing on the world and start thinking about, okay, Don't be concerned out there. Let's be concerned here. What does it look like for us to pursue holiness? And you clearly see a call to judge that. Is it not those inside the church? Are we to judge? Aren't we supposed to keep each other accountable and encourage us to live out our faith? So first warning, stop judging the world and condemning the world. And let's focus on inside these doors or inside these internets, however that works, if you're tuning in online. All right? So second, don't judge superficially. Don't judge superficially. Let's look at this verse together in this warning. John 7, 24. 
Don't judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. There, it's dead clear. You got bad judgment, and you got good discernment. What is bad, incorrect judgment? Judging by appearances. This is so much of our default as people. How many warnings all throughout Scripture has this gone wrong? We judge someone by the look of the man more than the heart of the man. God is concerned with who we are, and we spend so much time, we're concerned by appearances and how someone looks. Someone infinitely wiser than me says, man, why don't we judge someone by the content of their character, not the color of their skin? That's what makes racism so wrong. It's just judging off an appearance and not who somebody is. You instantly look at them and you look at their skin, you make a judgment of whether that person's a threat or not. You look at somebody, the uniform he's wearing, and we make an instant judgment. That guy's good or that guy's bad. We all do it and we need to peel back that superficial judgment that's just off of appearances. That's where so much is called to get to know each other as opposed to just judging superficially by appearances like this guy. If you remember who that is, it's Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones in the last crusade and then, you know, famous at the end, he chose poorly. What is poor judgment? If you remember, they're trying to figure out which is the holy grail and they get the room with all these beautiful chalices and then the blonde-haired Nazi girl, who's a big-time Karen, definitely a Karen, that lady. So she goes, and what does she choose the chalice off of? She says, oh, let me pick. Yes, doctor. And she goes and finds just the most beautiful one that superficially just looks a certain way, and it's all judged off of appearances. And of course, I would show the clip, but I know we had kids in here, like dude turns into like a mummy and a skeleton, and it's a little creepy. And that's where he chose Paulie. So he chooses poor judgment, and then Indiana understands out of facts, knowledge, and makes, you know, and chooses the chalice of Christ. How many of your judgments, you read an article, you have an instant judgment, not off the facts, not knowing people, you know who's right or wrong by the look of that person, as opposed to, that's where there's this huge plea. Like, let's get to know each other. How about you get to know somebody and understand their heart before you judge them? Off of appearances. You ever think of the word prejudice? Like literally just the word. I've recently was shown this and I never put it together. If you just understand what the word prejudice comes from, break it apart. It's prejudge. It's judging before you know somebody, judging without the facts. It's prejudging. It's by appearances. That is superficial judgment. Don't look at a situation, look at a person and prejudge who's right and who's wrong. That's prejudice. Correct judgment is post-judge. That's where that call. Hey, let's educate ourselves. Let's get to know each other. Let me understand your world. Let me get to know you. And then I'll make a judgment. Let's not be prejudiced. Let's not prejudge. Let's not judge just off appearances and quickly. Another warning. I think the church is famous for this. Don't judge opinions. We spend so much time bickering over the NIV. Here, I'll read the verse. This is Romans 14.1. Look at this. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. But don't quarrel over opinions. 
The NIV talks about that. The, the word that they use is disputable matters. And we're famous for arguing about different things. Many of you know I'm working on a translation of the, of the Bible, the JWV. I translate this, dumb stuff! Stop arguing so much about dumb stuff! I'm even writing a kid's Bible. I, I translate it, silly things, if dumb is too harsh for you. We, get, we argue about silly stuff all the time. And it's preferences. It's not we're talking about scriptural things. We're talking about the style of music you like. I, I listened to a talk from a guy. He's saying Christian rap is all wrong. Even if the lyrics are good, you know, and it, it's just that type of music is bad. And I'm in sin right now because I'm judging that dude for sure. But it's clearly it's his preference. And we do that. I was convicted how much I rail in other churches by the way they dress, by the way they organize their service. None of these are biblical things. And we do it all the time. We judge people by their parenting style, by their preferences. Hold on. By their political affiliation. Hey, I get. There are moral things that we got to understand. But we judge people by things that are disputable, by preferences. Even in this situation, they're kind of fairly important church issues they were wrestling with. Look, if we're going to judge somebody, we better be talking about biblical things. If you're calling somebody wrong, you better have a verse in mind. If you're saying that person is wrong, what they're doing is wrong, you better have a verse in mind. It better be judging somebody biblically off of maybe a doctrine or a sin. But if you just don't like it and you think they're wrong, there's a good chance we're just judging off opinions. We've done so much damage arguing about stuff. It doesn't matter. Stop doing that. If we're talking about, man, truth and harmful sin in your life, okay, let's talk. Let's not quarrel over opinions. This last one I think is kind of the most impactful for me. If I'm going to kind of judge a situation, this has been the most helpful and kind of the most important warning for me of how to judge poorly. Don't judge hearts. Don't judge someone's heart. Look at this verse. Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, and who will disclose the purposes of the heart. Who discloses the purposes of the heart? God. That's God's job to judge somebody's heart. I'm not here to condemn somebody and proclaim they're wrong. I've had people ask me that. You mean tell me I'm going to hell? That's a sucker's question. I almost never answer. Look, I'm not God. I don't know your heart. I'm not here to condemn you. Now, I warn of judgment. Judgment will come, but I don't exact it. And part of it is I don't judge people's hearts. Whose job is that is to judge somebody's heart? God. That's his role. And secondly, we're horrible at it. We can't do it. I can't know the intention of your heart. Yet we fill in that blank. I want you, as you're going to address something, focus on somebody's action, not their intention. Action, not intention. Now, your action, look at this verse. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, i.e. the purposes of somebody's heart. But the things that are revealed belong to us. Okay, your behavior 
is revealed. Your words is revealed. But I can't read the purposes of your heart. Dave, what's going on in my heart right now? You don't know. I'm frustrated. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. But you can't read that. You don't know what's going on in somebody's heart. But every time we do it, we say, oh, they're doing this because they're lazy, they're prideful, they're whatever it is. The second you're in intentions and motives, I need you to take a couple steps back because that is all thin ice. I want you to feel it cracking underneath you. Not even just the world. Do you know how much this will help your marriage? If you just stop focus on trying to guess where their heart's at and what they're doing, if you just focus on their actions... I've done plenty of stuff wrong. But I remember even kind of when the you know, kids were even younger getting ready. And I wouldn't really do anything to help. I would just frustratingly like wait to get to the car. And my wife would talk, you know, hey, you can help. I'm like, hey, good point. Here's the thing. But to get to this enrages me. Oh, he's not helping because he's selfish, because he doesn't care, because he expects me to do all this. All things going on in my heart. You know what's going on in that situation? Pure ignorance. Like, I don't know what to do. Our kids are so many bags, and I don't know what bottles, and it's confusing. And so I, I'm just, I don't know what to do. But yeah, we judge people. Oh, because they're afraid. They're angry. They're this. And we're judging people's hearts. We can't do it. I can talk about, hey, here's the implication of what's happening. Here's your action. But I can't judge your heart to look at you and say what's going on there. And when people do that to me, it drives me insane. That's God's job. I wish I could have been there. Peter and Paul, the two most influential apostles, disciples, bar none. I mean, these guys like wrote most of the Bible. No one doubts that. And in the New Testament, they square off. I'd love to have been there. You know, when these guys have to confront each other, these two titans. See, what was happening Whenever kind of this band, these group of Jewish people were coming around, Peter was withdrawing from the Gentiles and not eating with them. And then Paul called him on it. But notice what he saw. Okay, it was his actions. You're withdrawing from them. I don't know what's going on in your heart, but I know this isn't right. As you look in the New Testament... You know, particularly, you know, whether it be church discipline or whatnot, we're talking about clear, evident things, things revealed to us. I hope you feel that freedom. When I talk to somebody, look, I always say, I don't know. It's so freeing. I don't know what's going on in your heart. But hey, here's what I'm seeing, and I'm concerned. So don't judge hearts. You see that list. Are you judging unbelievers? Are you judging superficially? Are we arguing about opinions? Are you judging somebody's heart? I can add to this list. Self-righteously, hypocritically. There's tons of ways, and again, that's where this is a church. We probably need to like slow our roll a little bit on how much we're judging. It reminds me, you know, I mean, you think of how much damage has been done by the church just condemning people and judging them. You know, it's just like a runway truck just railing and causing carnage. It actually reminds me of this image. See, I come from a place with a lot of hills. I would say I come from Pittsburgh, but then half of you go, oh, Pittsburgh sucks. <laughs> and it's distracting, so I don't need to get into that right now. But I was from a place from a lot of hills. But if you've been to Pittsburgh, you've seen these, right? At the bottom of the hill, what are those for? So if a truck, if you're trying to brake, 
and your brakes go out, the amount of damage it would go happen, it's unreal. So they built these ramps so that you can pull off on this runaway truck ramp to keep yourself from causing that damage. Minor confession, my whole life, I've been so tempted to drive up that thing every time I pass it. You know that I quit on life, because when I'm quitting on life, that's how it's happened. Just, woo! I'm just full force up that thing. And you see me up that like, oh, he quit on life. There you go. Sorry, Pastor. We'll say a prayer. Here's the deal. If you're in that place of judging, whether it's unbelievers, whether you're just condemning, whatever it is, take that ramp. Just pull back. I mean, if you're in that place, anything on that list just zip it, stop, delete the email, get the post off, take that ramp, get a burner account. I don't care, do what you have to do to stop just railing and condemning in a painful way that's causing harm. That's improper judgment. And we could add to the list, but yeah, surely we need to be careful and we need to pump the brakes if the brakes don't work, work. Just do whatever you have to to stop. But what does it look like for a community of Jesus followers to still discern sin, to still encourage each other to holiness? Whenever people become a member of this church, we open ourselves up to accountability and say, hey, this is important enough for me. I want to walk with him, and I give you permission that if I'm not, to bring it up to me. I don't want to just go down a bad road I want you to keep me accountable. And I'm not going to go through and give you, hey, here's all the times to judge. Judge here. That's probably not what we need right now. But I want to give you the why and a little bit of the how, if we're going to get to that point, to call out error for somebody. So proper judgment, you judge because of love with grace. Why do we judge? What is our purpose and motivation? It's out of love. And how do we do it? Graciously. And for you, it probably got to set in a little bit. Because by and large, we think, oh, to judge somebody is unloving. We just need to accept them as they are. Disagreement with somebody's choice doesn't mean lack of love. We judge people And obviously not in a poor way, not in a condemning way, but I'm going to correct somebody because I love them, not in spite of my love. I could probably prove that to you fairly easily. You think of the people that you judge most in your life, it's those closest to you that you love. I mean, think of how much you judge your spouse. I don't have the time to unpack it. Let's pause that. Think of how much you judge your kids, right? Do you ever tell your kids that they are wrong and making bad choices, parents? All the time, but don't you love your kids? How dare you judge them? We judge them because we love them. We correct because we love them. The Bible's clear. There is a narrow path that leads to life. There's a broad path that leads to death. Answer me this. Somebody is walking a a path of error, a path of death. What's the loving thing to do? To warn them. Is it loving to say, hey, I don't judge. Hey, believe what you want to believe. You do you. That's not loving to allow somebody to walk in error. That's not loving to allow somebody to walk in death. 
We bring up truth. We warn them of their choices. Again, not an exact judgment. That's God's job, but I do warn of it. We still do discern truth, and the goal is restoration. See, worldly judgment is condemning people, putting them down. Even think of a courtroom, right? How the judge sit. The judge is up high, and he's, you know, pointing down and putting down people below him. Worldly judgment says, you're no good, you're a bad person. New Testament judge says, I'm a bad person with you, you're going down a bad road. New Testament, biblical judgment is warning of a bad road, not saying you're a bad person, and it's helping them go down a road that leads to life. And how do you do it? With grace, graciously, gentleness, kindness, If you are railing on somebody, you're probably not correcting them or judging them in a good way. You're probably doing it out of hate and spite. Galatians 6.1 speaks to this very clearly. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. What do we judge? Issues of sin, not preference. If somebody is going down a bad road that's harmful to them, The loving thing to do is to try to what? Restore them. That's clearly making a judgment, right? You are in sin. You're doing something wrong. But I don't bring it up to beat you down. I'm trying to restore you. And how do I do it? Gently. All the times you've railed on somebody, that's not biblical. That's not out of love. Even when you think of church discipline, it sounds so harsh. You know, the Bible clearly tells us to to discipline somebody in excommunication. That sounds so mean. Do you know the reason you do it? It's out of love. It is saying, look, I don't want you to go down the bad road. And this point, this is the only card I have to play. And I'm going to play it because I love you. And I'm going to do whatever I can to stop you from going down this road that I know leads to death. I remember the day where my parents kicked my sister out of the house. I remember her screaming because she slept out in my car and I gave her a sleeping bag. Did they do that because they hate her? No. They did that out of love that said, sweetie, I can't allow you to do this. And this is the last card I can play. But if your heart isn't for restoration to that person, isn't out of care for that person, you just want to criticize, you're missing the whole point. Jesus gives us a perfect example of how do we do this. I'm going to kind of give you a couple steps. If you're to that place where you feel like somebody needs correction, I want you to follow this plan. Let's listen to the words of Jesus first. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the speck out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. If you feel like, man, you need to discern, you need to correct somebody, I want you, looking at this passage, walk through these steps. First, humble yourself. If you are talking to somebody and you think you're above them or they're worse than you, then you need to stop. Take that ramp. Until you can pray and get your heart into that place 
to where I know I'm no better than you. I'm not above you. And think of the log and the splinter until you're to that place where you are convinced you're a worse sinner than who that person is you're talking to. Stop. Pray, because you are just going to worldly judge them and come at them like you're above them and better than them. I love that phrase. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where I found bread. I'm not above you. And until you can get that idea, until you truly understand that the issues in your life, you're no better than that person, stop. Take that ramp. And don't just say it, because we all say that, hey, I'm no better than you. You know, I almost, don't just say it. Until you really look at that person and say, I know I'm no better than them, you should stop. And then from there, I want you to pray for that person. I want you to ask for their restoration. Because if all you're doing is criticizing them and you don't have care for them, you're not, you're not following what God has called us to do. If you're seeking retribution, if you want to tell them they're wrong to hurt them because they hurt you, you're missing the point. Until you can look at that person and be filled with love for them, to have care for them, you should probably stop. Because the whole purpose of correcting someone, the motivation must be love. If you're to that point where you're filled with hate for that person, you don't love them, stop. Take the ramp because you're just going to cause pain and carnage. Get to that place where you know you're no better. Get to that place where you care about that person and you're desiring their restoration. And when your heart is ready, then I think you lovingly address that person. And it's key that it's that person. What do we do? We just rail about them to somebody else. We just rail about it on social media and we post. If you are trying to correct somebody and you're not talking to that person, we're not doing it right. The Bible has words for that. It's called gossip and slander. Just condemning somebody else and telling other people how they're a bad person and how they don't get it, how they're wrong. or just railing about somebody on the internet. We're not helping them. We're just condemning them. And if you can't get to that place where you're going to go to that person, then stop. Stop talking about it until you're willing to address that person and do it lovingly, gently, with grace. And last, I think this is key, take time to help that person. Did you notice, okay, Jesus didn't say don't judge. He said, I want you to humble yourself. I want you to see your issues like a log. Like you're messed up. But as you humble yourself, what did it say? It didn't say don't judge. It said then you're in a place to what with the other person's speck. Did you catch it? It didn't say to point out everybody else's speck. I mean, part of it, we're told, hey, judge how you want to be judged. Do you want people just, you know, minorly just critiquing everything that you do? It's, don't just then point out somebody else's speck. What did it say? Take the speck out of their eye. If that person is in sin, if that person is struggling, your job is to help that person, not to just point out their issues. And if you're not ready to help that person, then maybe God's, you're not the person that God's going to use to bring that up in their life because you're just trying to condemn them. But once you humble yourself, that you pray for that person, have a heart for that person's restoration, you lovingly address them and take time to help them, then I think there's a place. And if you look at that, wait, hold. 
It spells halt. I worked on it a lot. So you see that? Halt, all right? Humble. Ask. Lovingly. Take time. Halt. Yes. Killed it. Awesome. So get the point. You need to stop. If you're not in that place where you're humble, where you're asking for their restoration, so you're lovingly going to address that person and take time to help, you need to halt. Stop. We judge so much. We judge too much. But what if we're a place that, man, I'm about seeing people know Jesus, so I'm going to let go of the world, but I'm going to care for you enough to where if there's something going wrong that's harming you, we're going to talk about it and help each other get back on the path that leads to life. Will you pray with me? Father, I do pray for healing. I'm sure on some level, every single person listening to this sermon right now has been harmed by poor judgment, been harmed by people that are just condemning and not loving. God, I pray for all of us that we would come to that place. God, that you love us, that you want to see restoration in our lives. You want to save us from our sin. You're not trying to just kick us down. God, help us to heal from all those times where we've been condemned by others and let us care for each other. Care for each other enough to where that might even mean a difficult conversation. But God, please, out of love and grace, let us call each other to truth. In Jesus' name, amen.